Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. I'm your host, Steve, and we, of course, always joining me fresh off his life back from the NFL draft in Las Vegas, Mr. Wally Lukashensky. Before I toss it to him and a couple of stories, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. Wally, you survived. How the hell are you, and how great of a time did you have? Well, we did survive. You said it almost perfectly with that. Tyler and I, we were wanting to actually put out a, a second night, kind of like we did a first night, 10, 15-minute recap for you guys. We got sick. We started panicking. We thought, we're like, okay, here you go. I guess we got COVID, vaccinated or not. Wasn't COVID, but we have some kind of like stomach issue and we took a red eye. So we, by the true word of the sense, survived this trip. But of course, as always, it's Vegas. You have a great time. Whole, whole hell of a lot amount of people there. I think only Nashville is even in the neighborhood. I don't even know if they figured out who had more yet, but crazy environment. Absolutely insane. How are you doing there, buddy? Hey, I'm I'm doing great. I'm up in New York visiting the old, uh, the old grandmother. Just made some cookies with her. And if you haven't had Sharon Weed's cookies, you haven't lived, but don't worry. Your boys got you. I made a fresh batch. Got a, got about 60-plus coming down. And if I see you this weekend, maybe you'll be able to score a chocolate chip cookie from Sharon Weed. Oh, yourself. and chocolate chip's the best. I know it's not like – Oh, it's simple, easy, exactly. elegant. It's, it's not the sexiest pick because everybody says it, but chocolate chip is just unquestionably the best cookie on earth. Well, you, it's hard to mess it up. It's just a classic – there, it's always it's like what Kobe Bryant used to say, and I know I've referenced this before. When no one would ever say that he was the best player, it was always Kobe and this guy. Oh, Kobe and this guy. It's always oh well, chocolate chip and this cookie. Chocolate chip. That name never changes. It always stays the same. It's just superior. It's the alpha cookie, as well as Speedies, which I know a lot of a lot of people out here, unless you're from um, upstate New York, don't know what Speedies is. It's an an amazing marinade that they have. I've already had it four times. I have gained 15 pounds while you're having the stomach, the stomach bug losing weight. I'm gaining all the way that you're throwing up, which is kind of a disgusting image in my, in my mind, but it gets the point across at the end of the day. Now with you in Vegas, obviously we know you're in the draft. How was the gambling? What were the tables looking like? How did you do? What'd you play? Were you up? Were you down? I have to know. We played roulette and we played blackjack for quite a bit. Uh, I That's my much- game, blackjack, baby. Yeah, and you can play all night. So that's really what we were kind of going for. I did all right. I, I think I only was down like 100 bucks on the on the week on actual tables, which if you're playing okay. for a while, yeah, I mean, that's what you're there for. Tyler on the flip, though, he ended up making, God, he won like $350 on Blackjack once. And it was kind of at that point, we're going to just turn this into a great week. Things were going to go our way yep. and then go figure the Raiders and the Browns don't even pick until the end of day two. Hey, well, there you go. Just building the anticipation. Might as well live up as, as like, uh, one of the local civilians there. I, I don't know why I can't think of the word, but one of the locals, I guess. And just, you know, gamble here and there. Did you go to any of the pool parties? We were at New York. New York is where we stayed. And we went two separate times to the pool down there. First, we went on Wednesday. Because, again, we tell you guys, this is, like, less of a vacation, more of a work trip for Tyler and I. So, Wednesday really was, like, our vacation day. So we tried to cram in as much fun as we could on Wednesday. So, yeah, we were throwing back the mixed drinks. I was drinking rum punch. Can't remember what there he had. Go. It was a good little coconutty drink at the pool. A little pina colada, maybe? It was something like that. It was a fun color. I mean, it was bright green. I'm like, dude, that thing's going to do something to you. But then we went top golfing. Yeah, it was, dude, it was a hell of a trip. I had a lot of fun. How was the stadium tour of Allegiant Stadium? Oh, my gosh. When – I know I'm a Raiders fan. It's going to come off super biased, but I've been to Jerry's world. I've been to a couple really nice stadiums. It is state of the art. It is unbelievable. You go through, I mean, these, I mean, even the things like uh, the generic, like suite is something that I couldn't even imagine ever affording. You get to go through like Mark Davis's owner suite. You go through Brent Musburger's call in or where he calls the games at. You're going into the locker rooms. It was unbelievable. I truly, I've never really been able to say I was at the home team, like you in Green Bay. It was so special. Seriously, so special. Highly recommend it. Anybody getting out there. 
Now, and the last question before we can move on and actually talk about football, the reason we're actually doing this, you've been to many of drafts. I think, obviously, you know, like six or seven drafts you've been to since they've been kind of moving locations every year. Yes, it's Vegas and it's your home team Raiders. Where does this rank on your on your draft list of the drafts that you've attended? Honestly, this is going to surprise you. I had a f- lot of fun in like Vegas itself. Las Vegas is an unbelievable city. I still say it's the best city on earth. But when you make it a spectacle, kind of like Nashville was a spectacle, it kind of takes away from people that actually go for the draft. I, I got to see a lot of cool things that I wouldn't typically see. Like I got to see Ice Cube after one of the, the rounds yes. of this draft. But we also saw people that don't give really a shit about football getting up closer and then, you know, they'd get bored and leave. But it took away. You were sardines packed in. You're standing shoulder to shoulder in 100-degree heat, and you're there for 10 hours. So, honestly, it was probably more towards the bottom. We we were talking before we got on, but in a weird way, places like Detroit, places like Cleveland, those are where if you're going for the draft – that's where you got to go. So top three, top five. Uh, I'd probably put it middle of the table, middle of the pack. I'd say I'd probably still put Nashville ahead because of personal things and how fun it was for me last year. Cleveland's got to still be ahead somewhere three through four five right in that range. Okay. Well we got next year. Where's next year's draft at? Kansas city, Kansas city. You're going into the belt. It's, it only seems right. Opposite sides of the spectrum, just in 12 months. Got to go right into the belly of the beast, but you're going to get a good barbecue, Wally. That's all that matters. It's the only thing I can really say I'm looking forward to. Give me the barbecue. There you go. Now we can finally get into the NFL draft, which was the most insane NFL draft after a wild offseason. These last three months have been absolutely insane, and the draft was nothing short of that. We're going to start talking about the quarterbacks here first because we all know how hot of a commodity the wide receivers are. We didn't see the first quarterback taken until the 20th pick when the Pittsburgh Steelers got up and got Mr. Kenny Pickett, the hometown kid. And we don't see one until the late third round. We have Malik Malik Willis going to the Tennessee Titans. Again, Kenny Pickett, we got going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Quite frankly, those are the only two I really care about. So those are the most talked about. Next year is when we get to talk about quarterbacks a little bit more. How do you like Kenny being able to fit into the Pittsburgh Steelers system, staying at home, and all of a sudden there's a quarterback battle there in Pittsburgh as well? And then what do you think about Malik Willis dropping all the way down to the third round? Do you think that's a good spot for him? For Malik Willis, I'll start with them first, work my way back. Tennessee, I feel so bad for Ryan Tannehill because over the course of about 48 hours, he got to see his number one target leave. You already know Julio's not coming back. Derrick Henry's another year older And what did the Titans seemingly do but draft Ryan Tannehill's replacement in Malik Willis? That team's going to fall off next year. And if the Titans start three and five, three and six, even with Traylon Burks coming in, I could see Malik Willis being an immediate guy that the fans start clamoring for. So feel for Tannehill. Good for Willis, though, because that does feel like the start of a rebuild there in Tennessee. As for Pittsburgh, it's probably the only quarterback battle that I feel kind of 50-50 on right now. You're not really in a rush to get Penny, Kenny Pickett in, so you could see Mitch Trubisky be the starter at least early on. And, I mean, there's a ton of weapons there. So whoever the quarterback is going to be, they're stepping into a spot where if the offensive line can even hold up a little bit, the Steelers will be in a position to at least be competitive next year. Uh, I, it's going to be really hard for me to believe that either one of them are successful enough to get them into the playoffs, but there's no reason Steelers can't be an eight or a nine win team next year. Now, if these were NFC teams, it'd be a completely different conversation. Maybe they're on that fringe of the wild card here, but in the, in the pits of the AFC worry about getting out of your division before even making the playoffs. I agree. Kenny Pickett was just one of what seemed like a lot of players that got to stay home in this NFL draft, which I thought was awesome. Um, we had Kenny Pick. I know I got to stay. I know the, the guard from NC State. He's a Charlotte boy, gets to, gets to stay with the Carolina Panthers just right down the street from, you know, where he grew up. And there's a plethora of other people that dealt with this. But 
Kenny Pickett to be able to go in there. There's an automatic quarterback battle. Mitch Trubisky has already had a huge question mark, and now he's going to have to fight fight for his job. And now we have to – I like this a lot because now if Kenny Pickett wins that job, all the people that were backing up Mitch Trubisky about, oh, having another year under his belt, he's so mature now. He can be that quarterback. I hope they lose because they will not hear the end of that hot take from me. Now, for Ryan Tannehill, to have Malik Willis drafted late in the third round, we know how talented that kid is. For Ryan Tannehill not to say to mentor him is not my job, or it's not my job to mentor him, I thought was extremely outlandish. That was going to be my follow-up question. Act like a professional. If Maybe if he had someone mentor you, you'd be a little bit better. But don't forget the reason he got paid there in Tennessee, because that man Derrick Henry, right? You're not that quarterback. You're not that guy, pal. We've seen that. And with all the injuries that happened with Tennessee last year, we know that. So you better be watching your back here. But what did you think about the comments of him just coming out two days after the, or less than a week after this kid gets drafted, saying Tannehill, that's not my job? It reminded me of Big Ben and Mason Rudolph when the Steelers drafted Mason on the second day a few years ago. But in, in devil's advocate here, trying to defend Ryan Tannehill, you finally feel like you have an established footing somewhere You've now gone to last year, you were probably a poor play call away from being in the AFC championship game. That's got to be so frustrating on his end. He he feels like almost, I don't think he's as good as Derek Carr, but he's in that like kind of disrespected tier of quarterback where he's guys, like a tier below Derek Carr in the disrespected tier. I wouldn't even put them in the same breath, honestly. Yeah. I, like Derek Carr to me is he's a noticeably better quarterback, but Ryan Tannehill too. He's, he's a starter in the NFL and he's done everything I feel like right in the last few years. So I get being frustrated. It also is a comment that to me, it speaks to his understanding of his position on the team. He has $57 million tied up in dead cap next year. If he were to get cut and almost 30 million, if he was traded, he knows he's going nowhere. It's going to be a lot to imagine that a team would take on even half of that dead cap. It's not going to happen. So he knows he's not going anywhere. This is more of a, guys, I'm fighting tooth and nail for my, I guess, career at this point. I'm not going to go out of my way to let this guy take my job while I get basically stuck in, in no man's land on this roster. All I'm saying is we are seeing the downfall and the demise of the Tennessee Titans right now. You saw how frustrated Mike Vrabel got about the A.J. Brown trade, which we'll get to here in a little bit. You see Ryan Tannehill doing this. You don't have any receivers all of a sudden. Is Derrick Henry, if he doesn't come back the same, are they going to think about maybe trading him and completely cleaning slate? Because like you said, there's a lot of dead money there. You got Malik Willis cheap here for the next four years. Maybe cut ties, have the cheap quarterback build around him, have to restart again here. I'm forecasting that right now. I you are We are literally seeing that happen right now. It's going to be Jacksonville is going to make that leap. Tennessee is going to plummet. And they're going to flip uh, identities for the next few years here. I will say before we move on, two things. Tennessee, you're right, 100%. They're going to fall off a cliff. I think they're going to go from being a playoff team to like a 5-6 win team next year. The other thing I did want to mention, though, hand up. I was very wrong on the quarterbacks. I thought that we were going to see three or four in the first round. Not because they deserved it, but because GMs in the NFL are out to save their own jobs. And there's nothing better than a quick way to basically buy yourself more time than to bring in a quarterback and basically saddle two years on a, we have to wait and see what he does. So hand up. I, I have to own that one. That was a big miss on my part, Steven. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of hands in that crowd too. I think that was a, a pretty popular consensus. A lot of the quarterbacks were, were going to go, not a lot of top like 15, but a lot on the back end there in the first round. So it's okay, bud. I forgive you. Appreciate I forgive that. You. I need that. We'll go with that. Speaking about being a loser, let's talk about the winners of who we thought the NFL draft were here uh, throughout the week. Obviously, I think we have a couple teams that we kind of have on our mind that everyone's talking about. I, I want to toss it to you, the man that was there himself, to see the teams do what they, you know, picked who they wanted to to build said team. Give me at least one winner you thought um, after the draft. I know that we have four teams on here, so we're going to mix it up a little. So I'll give you my one that jumped out immediately, and it's got to be the Baltimore Ravens. To me, they got two of the most surefire pros 
in the first round of this draft, guys that might be in the league for 10, 12, 15 years, and Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindenbaum, and they even moved down for Lindenbaum too. They After that trade for Marquise Hollywood Brown, which makes a lot more sense for Arizona. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Sorry, that was highway robbery. It, they knew, obviously. Von somebody Miller, knew Von about Hopkins. driving the car. Marquise Brown is sitting there, highway robbery, a 23rd overall for Marquise Brown. That's that's too much. I'm sorry to continue. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. But the only thing you can think of is the Cardinals knew what was coming with DeAndre Hopkins, panic trying to save next season by giving up a lot for a guy that the production, yeah, he's gone better each year, but how much better? But Baltimore, like I said, you have those two surefire pros in the first round, but you followed up with day two, David Ajabo. Yeah, he might have a red shirt season, He's one of the more exciting edge prospects in this class. Very raw, but the motor's really there. He's going to have a full year to get better, too. And then Travis Jones. A lot of people really wanted him. Interior defense alignment. He's going to make an immediate impact. Guy that, yeah, he's not going to play 70, 80% of the snaps. But when he's in there, he can make a real impact to that team. And in the last couple guys I'll even note on here, Daniel Falele. If you're a Big Ten football fan, which I know a few of you guys out there are, Right tackle at Minnesota last year. He is now the biggest player in the NFL. And a lot of com- or like comparisons almost to, to Jordan Mayotta out of Philadelphia with his size, day three, day two, or I think it was day three pick. But you got more or less, even if you aren't skilled or refined uh, as skilled as some right tackles are, that length makes those edge rushers take wider angles. And it gives you an extra few tenths of a second every time. Guys like him and then Jordan Stout, the damn punter. When you're a team like this, you get to take a luxury pick at in the fourth round. And this was the year to be a punter. Three guys drafted. Don't say that very often, but do the Ravens, they were banged up last year, one of the most injury-depleted defenses I can remember. And now they're getting all those guys back. And you add this draft class in, if Lamar plays well, look out. They can win the AFC North. Now, obviously, the only concern that we have is who the hell are the wide receivers in that room right now, mm-hmm. right? But I think I think this draft, and especially trading away Marquise Brown, just further solidifies, you know what, Lamar, Lamar's just not that guy at passing. Let's make this our offense. And they're just going to be a more, a more run-centric offense than they already are. And I think this shows it. You got the linemen that you're drafting. You got studs that are easily are going to be able to be plugged in play. And then you got the D linemen. Your boy from Michigan, Ojabu, that man's a beast. And no one knows how to produce defensive linemen like the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know what it is that they have in the water, what they do in that organization. They just pump out D linemen. They lose them in free agency. Cool, we'll plug and play someone else that basically replaces your production instantly. So I think that they made a lot of good moves. And to your point, you're going to get your boy J.K. Dobbins back. Right? You're going to have, you're going to have some healthy – secondary pieces and Marcus Peters getting returned back on the defensive side of the ball. You re-signed Calais Campbell. These moves are great. And they needed these moves to be made against the, obviously in the division they're in, they have a lot of pass rushers between Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. And then they added some young studs too. And they might be getting Jadavion Clowney back. Who knows? So they have a, they made some great moves. My first winner, which I think everyone kind of, always agrees. And if it wasn't the Detroit Lions, it was the New York Jets. You get a number one cornerback to lock you down. You get a number in Sauce Gardner. You get a number one receiver in Garrett Wilson out of the Ohio State, one of your guys. He's an absolute stud. And somehow, some way, you get Jermaine Johnson, who ends up dropping in the first round. So they add a edge rusher, a lockdown corner, and a number one receiver all on day one. How do they follow that up? They get running back Bryce Hall. They get Jeremy Ruckert on day two. By the way, side note, go look at the uh, New York Jets roster right now. These are what their running backs are. Michael Carter, <laughs> Michael Carter the second, Bryce Hall, Brees Hall. So I said Brees, I said Brees' name wrong. But those are the names of the running backs on the New York Jets roster right now, which is pretty insane to think about. I think they made a lot of good moves. Obviously, Robert Sala has to be grinning ear to ear with being able to not only walk away with one key defensive plug and play player straight from the draft. He's able to get two right there on the board, all all while able to get Zach Wilson. 
another a fresh new target. They got Baxton Barrios here that they just re-signed. I want to say that Jamison Crowder is still floating around there too. And if they can get that damn tight end to actually stay on the field, what Tyler Hurden, maybe they can actually be something here. I like what they did there. I thought they made some great, great moves. And are they going to win that division? Absolutely not. But maybe that four or five win team from last year can bump it up to seven, eight, be 500. Who knows? I will say that might be too far. <laughs> I will say one thing. I want, I want to ask you almost a follow-up question on them as well, just because this Jets team, you would argue, at least looking at this draft, it's probably the most improved team coming out of the draft. You Right, you, you have the best wide receiver, the best running back, arguably the best tight end, the best cornerback, all in the same class. This has to be a make-or-break year for Zach Wilson. If he doesn't do it this year, there's no way they even give him a third, right? There's no way. No, they have to. God, I how? Think, Look at when, this offense. What, what are they going to do? Look across the street and watch the Giants give Daniel Jones four years? I mean, just listen you know, to these names. I mean, think about this. Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, if Mekhi yeah. Becton can lose a few pounds. You brought in Lakin Tomlinson out of San Francisco. You have Connor McGovern, Elijah Vera Tucker, who I'm in love with. Then you go over to tight end. You brought in C.J. Uzama from Cincinnati. You have Brees That's Hall now. Yep. I mean, they are – the offense is loaded. We give uh, – or we keep talking about Tua in the Miami offense. The Jets are very, like, competent outside of that quarterback position. I think we had the same questions for New York. Okay, so now – but this year is going to be the biggest question mark for Tua, correct? This is going to mm -hmm. be that make or break year. What year is that? I mean, it's effectively his second and a half. Exactly. Third year. But you always want to look for that third year leap. And as long as the progression is going positive, well, that's obviously what progression is. But as long as you're progressing, doesn't matter if it's minuscule, as long as you're going in the right direction, they're going to keep giving you time. But to your point, no, he does have a loaded, he has a loaded offense. He's going to have a two tight end system. His wide receiver room is looking nice with the addition of Garrett Wilson. You got back-to-back first-round wide receivers in that room on top of Corey Davis, who actually that's three right there because that's who Tennessee took, I want to say, five, uh, fifth overall back in like 2016, something around there. So they have a lot of talent in that room. Yes, I I don't think it's make or break, but there definitely needs to be somewhat of a step or two in the right direction for Zach Wilson this year. We know we give him the benefit of the doubt, injury-prone. He does have a defensive coach as his head coach. So he's not going to have like that offensive mind that's around him that knows how to get him, you know, get him up to speed quicker than what you kind of see, you know, first thing off my head is Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, right? You know, Joe, Joe Burrow is way better and was way more ready than what Zach Wilson was, but just coming off the top of the head. So I don't think it's make or break, but there's definitely going to be eyes on him to make that trend towards a very huge third year leap. I'm going to take one more. I'll leave you with the last one. I think that you got to stay in New York. I think the Giants also were a big winner in this draft. My only question, and this is nitpicking, it's like going from like an A to an A-plus in my mind. I wish that they had taken Iki Iguanu at five because Kayvon Thibodeau likely have still would have been there at seven. Maybe Evan Neal was their number one tackle. It just didn't sound like that, and I felt like they could have flipped those two. Outside of that, you also had a day three steal, at least I was looking at, going back to Big Ten fans, Micah McFadden. Only bright spot really on the Indiana defense last year on a team filled with pus. And that guy is his nose was in the football every single time, every single play. He reminds you a lot of Arizona Scooby right back in the day. He didn't have the speed to transition to the NFL. I'm really hoping for McFadden's sake he does. Great football mind, great football IQ. But the Giants, again, you you get the arguably most skilled edge rusher and arguably the best offensive lineman in the same class. It's hard to call anything but a win on that regard. So Evan Neal is clearly their guy, right? Because I think they would have, I think they would have gone uh, the other way with my boy from NC State if that was actually their true guy. They wanted Kayvon Thibodeau as well, so I think that they got the both. They got the best of both worlds. I've, who, when's the last time we've seen New York actually have something work out for them in, on draft day? And that's going for both of them. But look at them. They, here's a couple winners right here. So. Talk about who's on the clock. We all know Daniel Jones is on that clock. You finally get at least one piece, one person to block for you on that offensive line. Hopefully they can kind of build a little bit more around him. Then you add a little bit on defense as well. 
Uh, that defense is already was already a top 10 defense the last couple of years. I expect them to be right back there. And we'll see what Brian Dayball wants to do on the offensive side of the ball. Steven, let's hear your fourth. I know you and I are both really high on this team for better or worse, but home run draft. Well, let's hear the fourth one for you. Yeah, and it's not even about the people that they drafted, right? The Philadelphia Eagles. They were able to trade and get A.J. Brown almost for a steal. I want to say that they traded their 18th overall pick and as well for a third-round pick to be able to just get A.J. Brown. That is a steal right there. What do they do? Instantly turn that to a four-year, $100 million contract extension. So kudos to A.J. Brown. Really fucking mad that Green Bay didn't do anything and just kind of sat back with their tails tucked between their legs. That's a different conversation for another day. They were able to trade up and get Jordan Davis. Now they have the biggest, most freakish human I have seen in my entire life paired up right next to his idol, Fletcher Cox, on that defensive line of the ball or on that defensive side of the ball. That is going to be a scary duo. Obviously, I think the main focus is being able to get Jordan Davis down to that three down playable weight. He's a big dude. You got to get him NFL ready because he can cause problems, especially when you put him right next to Fletcher Cox. I wouldn't say that you have two Aaron Donalds, but it almost feels like that with having, you always got to double team someone. Someone's always going to get to the ball. It's going to be insane uh, to watch. Followed up on day two, Cam Jurgens, Nakobe Dean. I want to let you talk about that because I know we both have love for the Eagles on what we thought were the winners here. So I want to let you shine as well because you're the man. Jordan Davis made a lot of sense. He kind of feels like he fits perfectly with what they try to do. And it's a very veteran-laden defensive uh, room there, defensive line room. So I think it's going to help. And I do think he's going to lose the weight to get down to that three-down playing weight or at least a little bit more. But, yeah, day two to me was where they won this draft, where they became a real winner. Because, yes, to get N'Kobe Dean who fell – you would think the guy had a third arm coming out of his medicals the way people were talking about it. And it's, he's telling you he's healthy. He's going to be ready for training camp. The guy has all the football intangibles that you could ever want. It's just a matter of if he stays healthy. If he does, this Eagles defense got a hell of a lot better. And that's before they even improved the strength of their team last year, which was the offensive line. Cam Jurgens is a mean bastard out of Nebraska. He played center. You get to see on his highlight tape, my favorite play, I think, of the entire college football season last year. Cam Jurgens got flagged for driving a guy, Michael Orr, in the blind side, the movie style, 35 yards downfield out of bounds, and he got an unnecessary roughness for it. Feed me that. Give me the 15 yards. And with how – dude, I keep saying I, I print out two rosters or depth charts, the Jets and the Eagles. I just want to spit through the names real quick. Because I think if Jalen Hurts takes the next step, I don't even think this team is just NFC East good. I think this team is knocking on the door to be in a Super Bowl for the NFC. But here we go. Going down wide receivers first. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, who have Zach Paschal and Jalen Rager too. Then you have Jordan Mayada, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, who has Cam Jurgens now behind him. You got Lane Johnson. Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and then this is before the defense. Defense has gotten so much better this offseason. Yes, you have Brandon Graham still, Fletcher Cox still. You brought in Jordan Davis, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett's back. But this is where it's going to be really good. Kazir White was such a sneaky guy that stirs the drink in L.A. that got let go. They bring him in. Also have Sean Reddick now as well. And Nicobe Dean. That middle layer of the defense went from one of the biggest weaknesses of the team to a real strength. Secondary, yeah, you have some question marks there. I won't read into that. But those are <laughs> that Darius Slay. That's all that's all I know. That secondary has been yeah. horrible for him. <laughs> it's that team, long story store or long story store. Geez, I wish I could talk. Long <laughs> story short, this Philadelphia Eagles team is a real threaten the NFC. I firmly believe that. So let me ask you this. I really like what the Eagles did. They're clearly the favorite in the NFC East to win that division. Who has more pressure on them then to perform? Is it going to be Jalen Hurts or is it going to be Zach Wilson? Oh, that's tough because I think Zach Wilson's playing for his career. Jalen Hurts is also Jalen a Hurts simil- is playing with his career. Do you, okay, so do you think 
I guess I guess a better question is, do you think with them trading to get the A.J. Brown picks, I know what we were talking about when they were making the trade with the Saints to get the two first-round picks, that, hey, maybe they're going to be able to get someone here, set Jalen Hurts up for success, and if they don't, we have picks here for next year to be able to take a quarterback. Do you think that's all gone now? They're going all in on Hurts? Well, they're going all in this year. It, this year is make or break for him, too. Not to say he's not playing for a job in his own right, but he, I think, has the ability to be a long-standing backup. Zach Wilson had one of the worst rookie seasons that anybody can really point to and remember, and that's not an exaggeration. He was terrible. When Mike White came in, New York started like throwing on duct tape on their jerseys and putting Mike White's name on there. That's how bad it was early. So it's a different kind of pressure what I will say for Jalen Hurts, if he's not careful and they start two and three, uh, one and three, something like that, you have a very capable backup in Gardner Minshew. I, I just—they uh, both have a lot of pressure. We're talking like eight and nines here for those two guys. So now we're going to go from the winners on to the losers here, Walter. I you you want to take the Bay obvious Bay. one, or you want me to do the obvious one? I want you to do the obvious one. I want you to do the obvious one. So who do you think who do you think your number one loser was during this NFL draft year? Everybody in the world saying it. You don't even really when you have an actual NFL head coach and GM laughing at your picks on camera, that pretty much is the easiest way to be thrown into a loser category. And the New England Patriots were by far the biggest loser. You draft a guy that had at best a day two grade and a late day two grade at that. You draft a guard late in the first round that was weird then you draft a a track star wide receiver raider style and well, i think taekwon i think it was his name taekwon thornton, taekwon yes. thornton. he runs a 42640 at the combine everybody's in love with the speed but that's all he is it feels almost like a darius hayward bay 2.0 field there and then they followed up with their third pick is a 5-8 cornerback yeah he's versatile yeah he can play over the field we're worried about people's size at wide receiver. Why aren't we worried about this guy? He's going to get trusted. Imagine him having to step in front of a Derrick Henry, how funny that would end up looking. Just a colossal loss. And you know that I don't want to overreact, be a prisoner of the moment. I don't think that's the case anymore. The shine is off of Bill Belichick. It feels like the man is over the hill. And I almost hope sooner rather than later, you know, don't you want him to almost retire before people start doing the whole, it was all Brady. He didn't do anything. It was Ernie Adams and Tom Brady that did it. Never underestimate Bill Belichick. He knows he knows what he's getting here. Yes, I think the Cole, the Cole Strange pick was rather Cole Strange. I agree. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, when that was, I was like, who the hell is this outside of just running running a straight line of four? And look who he went before. He was before Sky Moore, George Pickens. Where we got Alec Pierce. I mean, with the loaded wide receivers, that's the one that you choose. I think you covered it great with the with the small cornerback. That guy better be Stefan Gilmore 2.0, but highly, highly unlikely. He's gonna look like his kid. Houston Texans, though. They got Derek Stingley Jr. and Kenyon Green in the first round. Derek Stingley, yes. I think he's a stud. I think he can get it done. What now? I know that he's had surgery here, so there's a there's a couple question marks. And overall, I see you giving me that look. I want you to go in about Derek Stingley. Stingley. Just be Singletary. That's all I want it to look like. <laughs> See, it's not even like I don't think that he's going to do well and he's going to have a very good career. It's that we haven't seen it now in a few years. Three years ago, it was almost kind of like different position, I know, but it was like Grant Delpit out of LSU where we were so high on the intangibles at the beginning. What he showed us his freshman year, that injuries and just a really difficult schedule kind of wear on him as it goes on. What bothered me is that he wasn't the best corner available and they still took this guy at three. You have a massive hole on your offensive line, but not only that, you also have a hole at edge and you missed on both of those to draft a corner that hasn't really been able to show you consistency over the last few years. That's not how you build a team that's at a gutter floor. And if you're trying to give Davis Mills a sincere chance, it's not by drafting a guard at 15, Kenyon Green, it's by giving him Ike Iguanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross at three, and then worrying about something like that in the second, third round. 
their day two picks were actually good. I like them. Jalen Petrie, John Mechie, Christian Harris, but it's irredeemable what they did on day one. To me, it was a colossal failure and nobody else seems to be talking about it. Well, it looks like Lovey Smith is already under the microscope after his first draft, right back after a long period of, of time with him not being an NFL coach, kind of bouncing around the collegiate ranks, being a, you know, assistant coach, defensive coordinator. And I don't know how Houston's going to be liking this. I like the John Mechie. You get, you get Davis Mills a weapon at least, but you mm-hmm. don't have anything to protect him. To your point, he is absolutely fucked. I just want to sit back and, and just enjoy this. Now, Chicago, they didn't have any first-round picks because they had thrown them in there to move up from Justin Fields from the year prior. So they had two seconds. They have no wide receiver picked until the third round. Can you name me a starting wide receiver on the Chicago Bears, Wally? John, great question right now. Uh, I mean, who? I, I There's no one there. Darnell Mooney, that's all I got. Darnell Mooney, yeah, great point. But th- th- that's amazing, isn't it, though? I'll let you go right again. But you trade up for Justin Fields last year, and then you give him no weapons the following year? What am I missing? You're missing a lot, but they, they want defense. Imagine that. They have a defensive head coach now, Matt Eberflus, there from the the, defense, the D coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts. They they draft Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, Tennessee Volunteers, Vellis Jones Jr. That's a pretty badass name. <laughs> Only other skill position player was a running back. Tristan Ebner out of Baylor. Out of all 11 picks, to your point, not a single weapon for Justin Fields. Great job. Your defense is going to be reloaded. You need to do a lot of things after losing Khalil Mack, your defensive leader. And you follow it up, just bring it up. Younger secondary pieces. You have nothing on the offensive offensive line that we really address too much. You don't get any skilled players. This is just bad. And I am here for it. I love that Chicago Bears are this bad. They are so stupid, and I cannot wait to watch them only win five games this year. I forgot, too, uh, Byron Pringle's there now, too, uh, before he got arrested a couple weeks ago. Oh, shit. Never mind. They might win the division. It's bad. It's so bad. And I give them credit for going to get their quarterback last year, but if you're doing that, what they've done in the 12 months since has really bothered me. Yeah, they have a new regime now. You're basically making Justin Fields restart. If you're going to do that, do what Tennessee did, or not Tennessee, do what New York did. Go out and get a couple weapons at wide receiver. Really load up and give this guy a real shot because instead, the Bears are going to win like five or six games, like you're saying, next year. And they're going to be going into the third year of Justin Fields with similar question marks to Zach Wilson. Do you keep investing time in this guy, or do you think that you have enough, you have enough of a baseline to know? good or bad, what you're going to do with them. Bears, give them – the defense is going to look good. I, I do like the picks in terms of value, just not in the situation Chicago's at. Had to help out Justin Fields. Who knows, maybe with Debo Samuel still floating around out there, maybe they can make something happen. But it does not look good in Chicago right now. Oh, he looks glorious. Chicago looks glorious from the view of Green Bay. That's, a, that's all I have to say. Let's talk about a couple of trades that happened or maybe a couple of trades that just didn't happen here during the NFL draft. We got our winners and losers, and we still have Baker Mayfield and Debo Samuel looking like they're going to be staying put in Cleveland and San Francisco, at least for now. The reports that Baker's going to be in Cleveland for at least May. Then, of course, we got A.J. Brown that got traded to the Eagles. So let's, I know we've talked a lot about him. Let's, get, let's knock him out. Philadelphia sent the 18th pick as well, the 101st pick to the Tennessee Titans in exchange for A.J. Brown. And like I said, they flipped that into a four-year, $100 million deal. Tennessee flips that pick into a wide receiver, Traylon Burks. So there's a lot of question marks. Obviously, I think we've, we're have we shitting on Tennessee enough here. What is the state of mind or what is the state of emergency there in Tennessee right now? And how great is this for the wide receiver room in Philadelphia? Amazing for Philadelphia. Uh, again, I've just called them a Super Bowl contender. So it should tell you how high I am on them. Uh, Thank God we record this because my God. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not happy that Philadelphia is a great team, but I will tell you, I'm in love with that roster. I've said it a hundred times. I love the line defense front seven looks a lot better now before it was really just front four. But this to me is if I'm a Titans fan, 
it's kind of a rare win-win if you have the right mindset of what to expect out of this team. If you still think that you can be a AFC South champion, it's going to be a real, real bitter pill to swallow come October, five, six games in. But if the Titans understand this might be the time for a soft rebuild, Derrick Henry's not getting any younger. You are going to have now a rookie wide receiver with a lot of expectations, rookie quarterback coming in now, very likely starting at some point this year. I liked it just because they were able to flip it into other picks as well. You had a first round grade kind of guy in Roger McCreary, the defensive back at Auburn. He fell to them in the second round. And then they were able to flip some of these picks too. get Ohio state offensive tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere, who has first round size. It just production wasn't there. And then UCLA wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, he got drafted 163. I know day three really is kind of a time where people tune out the draft. People are really comparing this guy to Hunter Renfro. And that's right around when Hunter Renfro went undersized, not really all that fast, but incredible route running and a guy that just eats target when you need him. Third and Renfro's real. If they use him right, I think this really was a win for both sides. Just not sexy to say that right now. Now, Baker Mayfield, he's staying in Cleveland. And it looked like Carolina was kind of the front runner there for a little bit. Shout out to my boy, Steve Smith Sr. I know he was loving that rumor of that happening, but they seem like the front runner to trade for Baker Mayfield. Day two, they end up taking Matt Corral. Now, as told by Dogs by Nature, the Panthers offered a late round pick in exchange for the Browns paying about 13 to 15 million of Baker's salary. They obviously said no. Baker's due just under 19 million in 2022. Man, oh man, this is heating up because as you know, they brought in Jacoby Brissett on top of the starter with the all-guaranteed contract, Deshaun Watson. What the hell are the Cleveland Browns going to do? Good question. It really depends on... I'm hoping hoping you'd answer for me. (laughs) I'm trying to figure it out just as much as anybody. Now, I think the one thing that Browns fans in the Browns front office is rooting for, I know we don't root for injuries, but this is a weird time where I'm pretty sure that Cleveland is. They need to almost have a starting quarterback or a high-end backup quarterback get hurt either way or either that or you're going to have to carry Baker Mayfield into the season if the goal is to trade him. At that point, you might be holding on to him until October, until a guy goes. And at that point, we just talked about Tennessee. What happens if they start one and four? They could try to flip Ryan Tannehill. This is a disaster for Cleveland. This is all goes back to that they shitting on your own quarterback when you're trying to trade him. Maybe it's a poor idea. Maybe it's a bad move. And I, I'm really just baffled by it all. But this was a really, really bad quarterback class if you were Baker Mayfield. Because the fact that Matt Corral was able to go late day two, Malik Willis late day two, there wasn't really that need, that incentive to go up and get a a guy or to go trade for a vet disaster disaster for Cleveland. That's all I can say. Disaster. You just, you just got to cut them. You got to, you got to cut your losses. You're going to be in salary cap hell enough as it is for the next few seasons. What's a little bit more. You might as well cut them. You're not going to get anything. The, and, and the only way that you're going to be able to get this off is exactly what Carolina was attempting to do. Trying to get you to pay some of the salary. So, they are not obligated to pay the rest of it because they're already dealing with that with Sam Darnold right now. You just got to cut him. Uh, one of the biggest fears, I think, was if we cut Baker Mayfield, he is very likely to sign with Pittsburgh <laughs> next day. Is a lot of the stories and you know what a lot of the sources were saying. You can kind of XA that they got Mitch Trubisky, Great point. they got their man Kenny Pickett. I think you're good with that. Just cut him, let him go to Tampa Bay. He'll sit behind Tom for a year or two, and then he's going to take over the Bucks. That's a really good point. I honestly didn't even make that connection where now Pittsburgh's out of the running. They're gone. So maybe cutting him. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to hurt. It's just, you want to be greedy. You know, since he's not going to get him, you know, Baltimore's not going to get him. So, but you want to be greedy. Even if it's a, a six round pick, you know, that Andrew Barry is sitting back just saying at some point, it's going to make sense for somebody to go get a quarterback Still could be Seattle. I mean, what are they going to do? Roll out with Geno Smith? That's true. I think Seattle's got to be, if not the front runner, like the top two or three teams that are looking for a quarterback. We all thought that's where Malik Willis was going at number nine. 
to your point, he didn't go till late day two. So Seattle has a lot to address. They just at least stay level in that division that is just absolutely hectic right now. They got to do something. And you just got to cut them. There's no way around it. Cut it. I fucked up. Cut them. Move on. It's business, baby. It's Hollywood. Now, Debo Samuel, who has just refollowed the San Francisco 49ers Instagram account, which is which is huge news, right? I saw it on CNN this morning. That's how big it is. <laughs> He's end up staying in San Francisco. Doesn't sound like there's been a contract and extension in talks right now. Seems like he's still adamant that he wants out of San Fran at the same time. So at the end of the day, this is all hearsay. He ends up not getting traded. I don't know what to make of it. I think someone needs to make a move on Debo because he wants out. And if he stays in San Fran, he's going to he's gonna be touching the ball a lot. Never seen a wide receiver complain about touches, but I can understand why he is upset with the way he's being used. Are you surprised that you didn't see him getting traded? And do you see him getting traded soon? No, I, I like I said last week, I didn't expect Debo or A.J. Brown to be moved. I know Terry McLaurin was in that group, too, that we talked about last week. I just – you've seen John Lynch really firmly say now he's too good of a player to move. We're going to keep him. They're going to have to figure out something now. And, yeah, I get the usage problem because, you know, as much as you hate to say it, you do look at it, and he had 77 catches last year. He had 59 rush attempts. It's a lot of hits on a body. I get it. You want to get paid. But it sounds like San Francisco is more than happy to get into contract discussions and pay him the money. It's just Debo doesn't want that usage. I don't think he will get traded, but I will say that it could get ugly if he really wants to make it ugly. Because the 49ers, I think, are prepared to let him rot at home for an entire year if it comes to that. Absolutely. And I, and I hope, you know, for Debo, I can, for Debo's sake, I hope that he does end up getting that contract extension because nothing's worse than when you're in that contract here. You know, I have some, you know, God forbid you tear an ACL, you got an Achilles injury, whatever it may be, those injuries that you never really seem to come back the same from. I just hope he doesn't have to deal with that. And, you know, if they move on, might as well get him out of there, ship him off to the AFC so no one in the NFC can worry about it, you know? But maybe get him over to Kansas City so they have a speed. Don't trip. say Kansas City. Don't do that. <laughs> I, will, I will say, if you were going to move him somewhere, tell me that him in Baltimore's offense doesn't make too much yes. sense. It makes well, so much sense. Well, he doesn't like the usage. He doesn't yeah, like the usage of that. You're right. But you also have Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. You, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody because they have like 18 running backs that they were using. If you use him even as a decoy in the backfield, I don't know, half the amount of times, you don't have to play him exclusively that way. It just If he gets past that and they pay him a lot of money, I think that him in Baltimore could be a lot of fun to watch as a fan. I can see him in New York. I think they just have enough wide receiver capital as well as they're going to have some draft picks. I think that they can pair up with that. Like I said, maybe if you get Corey Davis a first round and like a fifth round for Debo. Just to, just to get them out, right? Maybe you can make that work, whatever it may be. You need – Indianapolis needs to make a move on something, on someone in the wide receiving core. You need Detroit that needs something. What we just talked about, Chicago as well. So there is a large market for him, for these teams that will pay him a fat amount. I think that he should get out of San Fran, mostly because I just – I hate San Francisco, so. Arizona's feeling the same way, though, Stephen – and they have their own wide receiver problems right now because because DeAndre Hopkins just tested positive for a banned substance. Wow, I'm starting to struggle to talk too. Six games. Uh, are you sure you're not? You didn't ingest the same banned substance that D Hop did over here. I'm starting to wonder right now the way it's going. Six. Where games, am I? Where am I? Is right. I'm looking around. I'm, I am coming back from Vegas, of course. But this does make, I guess, that Marquise Brown trade make a little bit more sense. They gave up a whole hell of a lot for a guy that's really been underwhelming in his three years in Baltimore. The Ravens, they do get the 23rd pick. They flipped that for 25 and 130. I mentioned that before Tyler Lindenbaum and the punter Jordan Stout in that trade. Cardinals end to get Marquise Brown in the 100th pick, which turned into Majai Sanders, the edge out of Cincinnati. This is a really big move or a really big deal to me just because now – Arizona goes from for sure playing for an NFC West division to now I think they're going to have to fight to get into the playoffs again 
you're going to have Zach Hurts going to have him to step up. You're going to need Rondell Moore and A.J. Green do the same. That was Christian Kirk. I know we joke about the contract, but he was very valuable to them last year. Let's start with Arizona. What is the, the fallout going to be? Is this going to be something that once we look back in January, we think that this suspension could have derailed the entire season? Well, we see how the, we saw how the offense was last year when D-Hop left. Mm-hmm. With that hamstring injury, you pair that up with Kyler Murray not being able to stay healthy, and A.J. Green was your number one receiver, right? They have, to your point, they got they have A.J. Green, they got Rondell Moore, now you got Marquise, now you got Marquise Brown Hollywood, uh, or Marquise Hollywood Brown, Jesus Christ, and now you, and then you're going to have D-Hop, yeah, he's your number one, but now he's going to be out for six games. They need to establish themselves offensively right out of the gate. Because D-Hop is that plug-and-play player. He can just come right in. He's not going to mess anything up. He's just going to torch whoever is guarding him. But they have got to really get the ball into Hollywood Brown's hands often and right out of the gate. Get get A.J. Green involved in that offense a lot because even with DeAndre Hopkins out, he didn't really have a crazy impact for the Arizona Cardinals. So I think that they really need to make that positive step. Yeah, I think I think having him out in the first six games, when the schedule comes out here, which is next week, fucking awesome, week from today, it will be out. We're going to see how many, how many of those first six games are division games. What if there's two or three mixed in there? They are going to be putting themselves in a very large hole. Arizona is going to need to come out of the gate strong. We'll see how the Rams are if they're a little bit slumpish after the Super Bowl. Nothing's too surprising there. You know that Seattle's not going to do anything. And then, of course, um, then I'm going blank on the other team for some reason. The San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> where I'm actually currently residing outside right now. This is my office view. They're going to be reloaded and ready to go, too. So I think that there is a lot of pressure um, on the Arizona Cardinals to perform here right off the bat. Absolutely is. But the other team in here is Baltimore. And we've talked at the beginning of the show that this team top to bottom is loaded everywhere except for wide receiver. And given the fact that this is a contract year for Lamar, it makes you a a little suspicious on everything on how this is going to play out. Kind of like the bears. Not a lot of people I feel like could just randomly shoot out a few wide receiver names here, but Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Proche. Then you have Mark Andrews, who's going to have to be a number one option and there's not really a set number two right now. Not ideal. We'll see again. It's another reason why I'm pushing for Debo to Baltimore. Really almost want that to happen from a storyline perspective. What do you think? Do you think that they can overcome their wide receiver room, or is this just going to be too much come, I guess, the first or second round of the playoffs? Quite frankly, with or without Hollywood Brown, we were always saying, well, look at the wide receiver room. So this isn't – this isn't really any better. We had a small sample size of Rashad Bateman last year who spent a good amount of the season on, on the injured reserve. I want to say it was a hamstring ankle, something like that that was lingering from college when he originally got drafted. So let's see what he can end up being. Devin Duvernay, uh, I thought that he was actually pretty solid. He, you might know him a little bit more from the special team side, but he, he had a couple games where he scored, I want to say, like two touchdowns plus. Once like one or two games, but he, he did well. Mark Andrews had a nice back uh, bounce back season. I think that he is gonna, he is their true number one receiver. And like I said, I, I think that Baltimore will be fine. And this is they're just tending to what Lamar is. He's not a he's not a throw it down the field quarterback. Can he throw it? Yes, just to, to some instance. But this offense is getting ready for a Lamar ran or it's tailored to Lamar. I should say. Excuse me. This offense is going to be tailored to Lamar. I think that they can still be very effective with the additions of the offensive linemen and the addition of the 35 players that were on IR last year for you. So Mm -hmm. I think that they're still going to be good. The wide receiver, yes, it's glaring, but I know a lot of teams are in worse position than they currently are in. Let's get into our last little bit of news then. Late free agent addition, Tyron Matthew. He signed a three-year, $33 million deal with New Orleans. Back seven for them, really strong all of a sudden. Crazy, though. Cap Hell was there for, what, 15 minutes? It just goes to show that the salary cap in the NFL doesn't exist. But Tom Brady's got to be really upset, too. You remember when in that Super Bowl a few years ago, Tom Brady and Honey Badger loved to yap at one another. 
The Saints oh, yeah. give the, the Buccaneers more fits than anybody in the entire league right now, and he's going to join that? We might be looking at two more games this year where the Saints get the better of Tom Brady. That's a conversation for when we're a little bit closer to the season, maybe next week when we have the the schedule drop. But, yeah, I, I can see New Orleans going another 2-0, and getting the season sweep here, maybe meeting in the playoffs for a third time. They already have a solid secondary. They all they already have a good defense, and then you just add a player like Turn Matthew, you know, just an all pro Super Bowl champion safety who, you know, no one ever thought he was going to do anything. And now he makes an impact on every single team that he gets on. I love the signing. You get him ideally for cheap for what he is and for his age. He still has a, he still has a, a year or two left in his prime. And now another guy who gets to go home and play for his hometown team, which I, th- which I think it's always cool. It's always such a pipe dream. And now he, he gets to live it obviously an LSU tiger. He's from the area. Now he gets to go right back to Baton Rouge and he's going to have a blast in that division as well. Grady Jarrett signs an extension with the Atlanta Falcons for three years, $51 million. So he's entering his eighth year, only missed three games in his entire career. The best ability, Walter, is availability. And this guy is showing it right here. So his production has gone down the past few years, but it's it's a good band-aid in the meantime, as Wally would like to put it. And I think you got some studs there in Atlanta. Let's see what this team can be here. Maybe he can just be that leader that they need on that defensive side of the ball because, yeesh, outside of him and A.J. Terrell, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to look at. It, to me, felt like the Falcons were almost rewarding Grady Jarrett for all of his time in service that he's given to Atlanta in the midst of a rebuild. It's going to be ugly. They know it's going to be ugly. He's the kind of guy that is going to be a, a very good pro, just a solid player for the next few years as they try to be back to relevant. By that time, who knows if he's actually going to still be around. But to me, this was a thank you deal, and we appreciate you sticking around for the really dog days that are about to come. Yeah, if they haven't come already, I mean, he's been there. Well, here. The, Super Bowl, the Super Bowl team, I was like a second year in, and since then it's been all downhill. And it's just insert the insert the fresh Prince of Bel Air will meme when he's sitting in the empty living room of the mansion. Yeah, dude, they're in the around. desert. Embrace it. There is no oasis any way you look right now. It's just sand, and the sun is in the highest point in the sky. It is about to get really tough in Atlanta. With that, that's going to bring us to an end of another episode of Lost of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down, as well as Twitter, down underscore loss. I am Stephen Weed, live from San Francisco. He is Wally Lukashensky. Go Penguins? That'd be oh, of course go Penguins. Dude, they're up one nothing. Triple overtime winner a few days ago. That was awesome. By the time you guys hear this, very good chance it's either 1-1 or 2 nothing Penguins. Really excited, but I wanted to share a fun fact with you, and that'll be my final thought for you today. The Steelers drafted Cameron Hayward's brother, the tight end out of Michigan State, Connor Hayward, which now means that the Steelers have four sets of brothers on their roster right now. Holy shit. I don't know. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see if I can get them. Sure. Obviously, we have them. We got the Hayward brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One's got to be obvious for you. Well, maybe not for you since you don't live here. Think fullback too. Oh yeah, I got the Watts. You got TJ. Yep. You got TJ and uh, Derek, right? Yep, that's correct. TJ and Derek Watt. I want to say, oh, it's not Tremaine. Uh, two of them are on the. You're right, it Tremaine. It's Tremaine, and come on, you got the other one. Oh, what is Terrell? How about the last name? You got it. That's what I that's I thought Edmonds. the last name was Tremaine. Edmund. Okay, the Edmonds brothers. You yeah. won't get the fourth, by the way. Promise you you won't get the fourth because I there's not a, a chance. Uh good luck. Um, I mean, it's the most generic last name on earth. Oh, perfect. The Smith brothers. Close. Davis brothers. <laughs> the Davis brothers. Okay, okay. Well, that's how we're gonna end that. Until next week, we will have the NFL schedule release show out here next week. I can't wait. That means we get to pick a pick a little date night here. Cannot wait, man. Fuck the Rangers. Go Penguins.